poets and intellectuals of this time, the innovative minds, the intelligentsia, those that are breaking down the barriers and choosing a bohemian existence, escaping from dreary suburban ideals and materialistic death traps. Where are these engaging people? The risk takers, the revolutionaries, those living apart from this big unrest, those escaping the sterility of corporate junkies who get high on materialistic consumption. Welcome to the Bohemian Beat. We will journey beyond the horizon and find the artists living on the edge, going down into the murky waters of their very existence, where these brave souls have re-emerged with art that is challenging, original and brutal. You have tuned into the Bohemian Beat. I'm ready with you for the next hour with poetry and music. We have a great show lined up today, but first, let's ease in with some music. I was raised on Celtic, their history and their pride. With my culture and my faith, I wear the green and white. Generations walked and I read of the legends who played at Celtic Park And I tasted victory with this famous club And I drowned my sorrows in many an Irish pub And I walked with Brighton Park its way With my father's ghost I sit and watch the Celtic play I am such a lucky man today To be brought up in this world The Celtic way I was raised on Celtic Their history and their right With my culture He took the Glasgow Celtic up 
to face the mighty of Europe, then we won the European Cup. And the third leaf was for the Celtic fans, with the passion in our eyes, cause we've grown up with all our memories, underneath our poetic guest, Irish Joe Lynch, storyteller and poet. Welcome, Joe. Great to have you on the show today. Thank you, Riddy. Thanks for having me here. And um, hello. Good morning to your listeners as well. Hey, um, why not? Why don't we just start with a poem? Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll just tell you a little bit about this little poem, Riddy. Um, I was looking at the internet one day. And somebody had posted a, uh, <coughs> a picture of the universe taken from that little gizmo that they've sent out into the solar system. Ah. And it's spinning around and taking all these magnificent pictures. And it's thundering along at, I don't know, a million miles an hour. And it's sending back these pictures. And there was this one particular photo and it really got my attention because it was out past Saturn. And you could just see the side of Saturn. And then you could see trillions of stars, thousands of times bigger than our sun, possibly. And somebody from NASA had drawn a little wee red circle and they said planet Earth would be in the middle of that little red circle. And when you really stare at it, you can just make out this little speck of dust and a tiny, tiny speck. And I thought, that's our world. That's where we share, all of us, you know. And I thought, what a great opportunity to be making love and not war, you know. And we're only going to be here for a splink of time in astronomical terms. And, and it's so tiny. And I thought, oh, my goodness, we've got the wrong idea altogether with all the crazy things that are happening. So I wrote this little poem in the strength of it. My world, it's called. We're a picky lot on that little dot. Some pick winners, some do not. Some pick fights with the other fellow. But my love, my love picks nash and leaves them on my pillow. 
and some sing praises to their gods and dirges to their dead. Some battle songs to marching boots and fill the sky with lead. But my love, my love does in my arms, humming some old rhyme about old dogs and children. And you guessed it, watermelon wine. And some awake to the call for prayer, plant bombs inside their vests. I wake to the kookaburra, plant a kiss on my true love's breast. Some seek jewels and jade and jasper and strip earth mother bare. But I find treasure in my love's eyes and silver in her hair. And some wear Gucci, an obsession, Dior, Chanel, Cologne. My love smells of gardening and sweet, sweet, subtle pheromone. Excellent. It's <laughs> a great poem Do you to like? start with. Yes. <laughs> yes, change that around. And it's all about love at the end of the day, isn't it? We're it really here is. for such a short time and we spend so much yeah. of it engaged and just And stupidity. that's really all that's worth anything at the end of all. It is, because that's love. what you think about. It really. At the end. Joe, you have always had a love of poetry, but you didn't become a poet to, um, later in life. What, mm. what changed? Well, I loved it, like you say, when I was going to school, <clears throat> I found it a kind of an escape, you know, whatever cares or woes you might be suffering. And we had plenty of them at times. Um, I'd listen to a poem or a song and it, most art will do it for you. But I found it in poetry where I could um, I could see the picture that the poet was painting and I would go way off into that picture and away off out into the wild blue yonder as they say you know and um, space. yeah like like um, Neil Diamond said about Brooklyn Roads and he said if there's a young boy in that house where I lived in when I was a little boy I wonder if he's standing at the window and looking out and riding off up the roads with dungeons and or dragons and kings and doing as I did when I was a little boy and away off up Brooklyn Roads and it's that kind of escape away from this respite this holiday if you like yeah and so I, I loved poetry as a child for that reason. I was able to just see the picture and go way off on a holiday without going anywhere, if you know what I mean. And so it sounds a bit crazy, I know. But um, and then I never dreamed that I would ever, ever write anything myself. But then in the middle of my life, I had a huge emotional whack to the head, as a lot of us have. And um, I found that writing poetry was a great um, therapy for actually easing that pain like whatever is going on inside here to write it down on a piece of paper and then you could sit back and point at it if you like and see say that's what I'm talking about that's the pain over there but it's not in here festering you see and so I ended up with a drawer full of the most depressing poems that nobody should ever be subject to, to listening to and uh, but it was great therapy for me and I really encourage people who's got the black dog or who suffer in in that way um, to write things down, even if nobody will ever read it, even if you never again read it yourself, at least you get it out for that little time and write it down. It doesn't have to rhyme. It doesn't have to be beautiful. It can be painful and awful, but get it off your chest and write it down. And then one day um, after I doing this for a year or two and we were, I was talking with somebody about some topic and I said, I wrote something about this and I went to my drawer and I pulled it out and I read them this thing and they said, that's beautiful poetry. I said, is that what that is? <laughs> and so from there on, I just kept writing. And then it was after a while, the misery went abated. And um, I wrote 
lots of stuff. Lots Love. of ha- happier poems after, yeah. after you went through the darkness. Yeah. So that's that's awesome to be able to, again, articulate that pain rather than suppress it. Absolutely. Um, that's, that's really important. So mm. you found that even after um, the healing had taken place, that opening, that poetic expression mm. was still very much intact. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And now, really, after all these years, I've given up the uh, honest work, the hard work. <laughs> and now I get to go around to the festivals like Woodford and the National and Canberra and all these, meet all beautiful people everywhere, sharing my poetry and my stories with them. And so it's been um, serendipity, really. It's turned around and it's turned into an absolute blessing. And um, so the, the the whole circle has gone around the full turn and I'm back living that dream that I knew as a child when I loved poetry for the first time. Oh, gorgeous. Mm. Do you have another short poem to share? Okay. Um, no, what would you like? Can I tell you? Oh, let's see. Mm. Put you yeah. on the spot Okay, there. a quick one. Um, this is called The Day Love Won. As you know, when I was, um, uh, well, where I grew up in Ireland, there was lots of, of as they call the troubles in the north, old stuff that went back hundreds of years. And um, one day, 18 years ago, they decided all the different warring factions came together and they said let's give peace a chance to quote Lenin and they all got together and they signed the Good Friday Agreement they called it and so um, since then there is no peace these last 18 years and the strength of that where they all signed up to it and there's a power sharing government and when I heard it it just blew my socks off I was driving along the road and I, I didn't think the day would ever come you know, that they actually would all agree to it, and they did. And so what happened there that day is a catalyst, I believe, for the rest of the world, that this we can have this if we really want to. It is achievable. And so I, um, I wrote this little poem, The Strength of It. On the day that love won, the stone rolled back, and the bells of freedom rang. On the day that love won, the rose of Sharon rose, and hosts of angels sang. No beating drum was heard. No war cry, nor the sound of sabre clang on the day that love won. On the day that love won, we lost our fear. We lost our lust and our coveting. On the day that love won, for land, for power, for greed and glittering. Embracing peace above all else, above every dead and every other living thing. On the day that love won. On the day that love won, six hundred men of war and power came to meet. On the day that love won, with humble hearts they sat and wept, and washed each other's feet. And that cursed axe of war was banned, and forever buried deep. T'was forever buried deep on the day that love won. On the day that love won, our tongues refused to sing another bloodthirsty rebel song. On the day that love won, we realized the error of curing wrong with wrong. And so we danced a different dance, and we all sang, give peace a chance, without another backward glance. On the day that love won, on the day that love won, we gave out roses from ocean to sea. On the day that love won, a rose from each friend and from each enemy. From the rose of moon coin to the rose of Tralee, from Adams, McGuinness, Trimble, Paisley, the white rose of peace shone for you and for me. On the day that love won, and really, I believe it all my heart. If it can happen there, it can happen anywhere. We just need to get the formula right, you know?
Today on the show, we are chatting with Irish Joe Lynch, multi-award winning storyteller and poet. And for information about Joe, go to irishjoelynch.com. Now, Joe, you grew up roaming about the Cork and Kerry Mountains. How do you think these experiences moulded you as a, as a person, as a poet? Yeah, really, I think they did, really. They had, um, it had a huge effect on on me um because where i lived as, as a child um we didn't have any any uh, electricity and so no tv or radio or anything but we did have uh, great singers and musicians and storytellers and so my farthest back memory is sitting around the fire at night and somebody start telling a story and everything went deathly quiet all you could hear was the storyteller and um Sometimes you'd fall asleep there. You'd wake up in your bed in the morning and wonder if it was the fairies had taken you <laughs> up the stairs, you know. But um, and that that's still there in my memory and that sharing of stories. And I think it is just so important to be able to communicate stories and tell stories. Can I tell you? Oh, sorry. Carry on. Yeah. And because uh, you roamed a lot around the um, the mountains as a child, you, you mm. sort of in some of the things I've written about you, you're quite dreamy and uh, going for long walks. W- what was that like? I mean, because it's very rare these days to be able to actually as a child explore the terrain. We're, we're very closed mm-hmm. in now. Yeah, oh, th- that's that's very true. I, I'd be gone for hours away off over the mountains everywhere, away with the fairies and everywhere, you know, and uh, and um thinking on some of the poems like Yeats's poem The Stolen Child and things like that and like I said earlier never dreaming that I'd ever be able to write anything myself so I know it's a huge privilege to actually be writing and also I do a lot of the old stories and a lot of the old poems as well and so keeping them alive and um, like in Woodford for example um, they asked me a couple of years ago they said do you know any of the ancient Celtic sagas and I said, I do, but nobody will be interested in them. I've got this and this and this. And they said, but do you know any of them? And I said, I probably know all of them. And I said, but I've got this. And this. they said, do you want to do one or not? And they really put me on the spot, you know. And so uh, my wife said, look, you're a big boy. Stick out your chest. You know, you can do it. Dig out one of those old stories. And so I did. Oshin and Tirnanog, yeah. beautiful saga that goes for like half an hour. Just a beautiful story. And it filled up the folklorica and it was very, very popular. It really worked. And then um, the next year they got me back to do another one. I did The Children of Lear and this year I did The Pursuit of Diarmid and Grania. These beautiful old stories. And so now it's such a privilege to be keeping those old stories alive and breathing new life back into them. Like some of them are up to 3,000 years old, these old stories, you know. And uh, for a young, modern, international audience now to be receiving these stories and... um, like um, the interest in them has just blown me away. The crowds of people that come to listen to these stories. Our um, ex-Prime Minister Bob Hawke and Blanche came to the last one. I've, it's just um, frightened the daylights out of me because I was up there and I looked down and I thought, oops, 
there's our ex-Prime Minister, an amazingly articulate man listening to my old stories. I've had so little education. You know? But um, anyway, they came out backstage afterwards and um, he said he loved the story. So that, yeah, that was so rewarding for me. That's awesome. So do you think like, like compared to a lot of people um, growing up in Australia, which we haven't really have much of a cultural heritage, how do you think being raised on Celtic has affected the way that you actually look at the world, you perceive the world? Mm. I, well, I, I hope that I see it in a very broad-minded way, really, rather than in a narrow way to say, I am Irish, I am Celtic. I like to see myself as, a, even though they, they call me Irish Joe, I'd like to be called Earthling Joe, you know? Earthling. Yeah. <laughs> and just broaden it out because I think that's where the answer is really like... Um, Earthling Joe Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds mad, I know, but... Uh, rather than nanu, nanu. Rather, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Rather than drawing these little lines and saying, "This is me over here," I I like to. But I mean, ha- having like that rich tapestry of um, experience, of stories, of actually engaging mm. that part of the mind, that part of the brain, that part of your natural articulation growing mm. up, as compared to you know where there's sort of right. sort of a drought. Sure. Yeah, I I wouldn't like to say that about Australia because you've you've uh, Australians, uh, the white Australians that has only been here for a couple of hundred years, have their own stories and their own culture, and it's developing and moving along beautifully. I think I think it's magnificent. But I can definitely I know what you're saying. I can so relate to the Aborigines and the Dreamtime and how important those stories are to them, and their uh, burial sites and the rocks and. Um, and the rivers and the trees. And uh, I can certainly relate to that from my experience. Uh, It's very, very similar. Yeah. And when you um, came to Australia, about 40 years ago, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) um, there's a particular poem that that kind of explains a bit of your experience Mm. um, when you were in Sydney. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and then perhaps read us the poem? Okay. Yeah. Um, I hope I can remember the first line. Yep. Yep, I have it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll tell you what it was. It was on the 6th of May, 1977, really. And I landed. It was 6 o'clock in the morning. And I had a brother here at the time, my oldest brother. And he picked me up at the airport and um, took me upstairs. This at the, the He said, there's a little bar up here. And I said, what's that? And he said, it's called... Um, new can I say it's a, a beer anyway an Australian beer and I said well, what's the glass it's neither a pint nor a half pint and he said that's a schooner <laughs> and uh, so uh, everything was different you know different words and different terminology different sizes of beer yeah <laughs> it's, it's like six o'clock in the morning anyway um, I went on from there and um, I got a job working with these guys Breaking Rock with Jackhammers in North Sydney yeah and then I was really good at breaking rocks. <laughs> and uh, then uh, they said, do you want to go to Darwin? And so they were rebuilding Darwin after Cyclone Tracy in those days. And so there was loads of work if you were if you were up for it, you know, and I certainly was because it was great opportunities. And um, so off to Darwin working and um, all over Australia working, really. And all the people I met, it was just like going away to another world altogether coming here back in those days nearly 40 years ago and so then a few years ago I was coming back I was uh, in America and I was on a flight 13 hour flight between LA and Brisbane and I thought I always wanted to write a poem summing up my experience my journey with uh, an Australia together 
And so I thought, this is the this is the golden opportunity. So I wrote this. I hope you like it. It's a bit sad as well, because there was sad things along the way. I was many years younger when I landed down under, on a bright sunny morn on the sixth day of May. I hadn't a shilling, but my young heart was willing, so I hopped on a shovel near Botany Bay. With Irish and Greeks breaking rock in North Sydney, in trenches and tunnels from daylight till dark, said Cabby the crooner, Joe! We go for a schooner, so this rock, God, it's as hard as a Dubliner's heart. And there was Libs, Czechs, Croats and Slovaks, the hardest, the toughest men I'd ever seen. Bitter foes from old wars they'd been fighting forever. From my own darling land, there was orange and green. But we battled together, black, white and brown, rebuilding the city that Tracy knocked down. Every man was your brother. Every man your best mate, egos and old woes were left at the gate. I searched for the dingo that night near the rock, freezing cold beneath the southern cross, and I wept all that day when they locked her away. God, how I grieved at her loss. And then I caught the spirit that made the Eureka stockade. Don't ever let anyone tame you. And I cheered with the crowd when your man cried out loud, Gold! Gold! Gold to Australia! And my lips tasted sunshine for the very first time. She gave me her heart. Sure, I gave her mine. But it fell from her hand and got lost in the sand somewhere between Lennox and Byron. And I picked up the pieces and I started again. And I worked like a dog. And I spent like a king. And I drove a green rolls for a while, believe it or not. And then I blew it again, blind drunk and beaten. And now the workhorse is old. Stories near told. I've traded the work boots for sandals. It's been too many years. Too much blood, sweat and tears. Too much Guinness, of truth be known. Too many candles. But I have a princess in Brisbane with a badge and a gun. And her brother with a slow chat. My youngest son. And me... Well, I'll just doze and dream near the hot Queensland sun on my hillside, just outside Mullaney. Aye, I'll spend the rest of my days in that shimmering haze on my hillside, just outside Mullaney. Way down to the quay where the good ship now doth lay To command a gang of navvies I was ordered to engage And I thought I would stop in for a while before I sailed away For to take a trip on an immigrant ship to the shores of Botany Bay Farewell to your bricks and mortar, farewell to your dirty line Farewell to your gangway and your gangplank, get a hell with your overtime For the good ship ragamuffin, she's lying at the quay to take off Pat with a shovel on his back to the shores of Botany Bay. Now the best years of our lives we spend at working on the docks, at building mighty wharves and keys of earth and ballast rocks. Our pensions keep our jobs secure, but I'll not rue the day when I take a trip on an immigrant ship to the shores of Botany Bay. Farewell to your bricks and mortar, farewell to your dirty line. Farewell to your gangway and your gangplank Get a hell with your overtime For the good ship ragamuffin 
She's lying half the guy Or to take your bat with a shovel on his back To the shores of Bondi Bay Came up this morning and he said, Why, oh, Pat, hello with you? Do not mix that water quick. Why, sure, you'll have to go. Of course, he did insult me. I demanded all me pay. And I told him straight I was going to emigrate to the shores of Bondi Bay. Farewell to your bricks and mortar. Farewell to your dirty line. Farewell to your gangway. And you go back to the hell with your old time. For the good ship ragamuffin, she's lying at the cave. To take old Pat with a shovel on his back to the shores of Bondi Bay. And when I reach Australia, I'll go and search for gold. There's plenty there for digging up, of course, so I have been told. Or maybe I'll go back to me trade. Eight hundred bricks I'll lay for an eight-hour shift and an eight-bob pay on the shores of Bondi Bay. Farewell to your bricks and mortar. Farewell to your dirty line. Farewell to your gangway and your gangway And a hell with your own time For the good ship ragamuffin She's flying out the cane For to take off Pat with a shovel on his back To the shores of Bondi Bay Farewell to your bricks and mortar Farewell to your dirty line Farewell to your gangway and your gangway And a hell with your own time For the good ship ragamuffin She's flying out Pat with a shovel on his back to the shores of Bosney Bay Or to take old Pat with a shovel on his back to the shores of Botany Bay This is the Bohemian Beat and we are talking to Earthling Joe Lynch <laughs> Joe, you have another poem that you want to quickly read for us yeah, um, I didn't write this one at all, really. It was written by Patrick Cavanagh, mm. the great Irish yeah. poet. And uh, just a quick thing about Patrick. He, um, he similar to me, he had a, a dream of being a poet or a storyteller or something magnificent. And he was way out in these stony fields of County Manor in the middle of Ireland. And um, so he left Ireland and away, or he left there and he went off to become a priest in in Maynooth and so they kicked him out after a few weeks they said you're not going to ever be a priest you're just a dreamer and they kicked him out and so then he went working for the civil service in Dublin and they booted him out after they're burning him out working <laughs> charming he, he tried all sorts of things and then eventually when he was getting on in years he thought that's it forget it I'm going to go back and go back to my original calling and I'm going to be the poet and so he combined compiled all of his poems and stories and he sent them off. He got lucky. He found a publisher that would publish him, that loved him. And before he died, he he saw his name up there with the very best of them, Yeats and Joyce and uh, all the best of the poets in Ireland. And uh, so, it, thank goodness it didn't happen posthumously. It happened while he was still alive. Anyway, before he died, he wrote this wonderful poem just summing up the story that I just told you. And he called it Pegasus. My soul was an old horse offered for sale at 20 fairs. I offered him to the church. The buyers were little men who feared his unusual airs. One said, let him remain unbid in the wind and rain and hunger of sin and we'll get him with the winkers thrown in for nothing. Then the men of state 
came and looked at what I'd brought for sale. One minister, wondering if another horse body had fit the tale he'd kept for sentiment, the relic of his own soul, said, I'll graze him in lieu of his labour. I lent him for a week or more. He came back, a hurdle of bones, starved, overworked, in despair. I nursed him on the roadside grass to shape him for another fair. I lowered my price. I stood him where the broken-winded spavin stand, and crooked shopkeeper said he might do a season on the land, but not for high-paid work around towns. He'd do a tinker, possibly. I begged, oh, make some offer now. A soul is a poor man's tragedy. He'll draw your dungiest cart, I said. Show you shortcuts to mass, teach weather lore. At night, collect bad debts from poor men's grass. But they would not. Where the tinkers quarrel, I went down with my horse, my soul. Who'll bid me half a crown, I cried. From their rowdy bargaining, not one turned. Soul, I prayed, I have hawked you through the world of church and state and meanest trade, but this evening, halter off. Never again will it go on. On the south side of ditches, there's grazing in the sun. No more haggling with the world. And as I said these words, he grew wings upon his back. And now I may ride him through every land my imagination knows. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today on The Bohemian Beat, Earthling Joe Lynch. And you can get information about Joe, irishjoelynch.com. So what are you up to, just quickly before we... What rice... Um uh, now, like what, what, what's happening? You're right working now, on some... Um, I'm recording an album with a local... Because you've already got two CDs I have. that you've done. Yep. I know we're making another one with a, a local man that lives here in Byron Bay. His name is Mark Butler, and he's just an absolute beautiful singer. And um, Mark and I have decided to get together and with his singing, his beautiful singing of all the old Irish songs and my poetry. And so we've blended them together and interwoven them into unique pieces of their own and so now we're actually in the middle of recording that and it should be out in a couple of weeks we are hoping mm-hmm. well we will definitely be having you back joe thank you so much for joining us today on the bohemian beat it's been an absolute pleasure thank you really thanks very much and that's irishjoelynch.com this is the bohemian beat a show about poetry And now I would like to introduce a new segment on the Bohemian Beat called Your Special Poem. This roving audio project invites a community to share their special poems with us on the Bohemian Beat. We have today Mark, Lily and Abby sharing their special poems and telling us a little bit about what drew them to these poems. Rebirth by Janus Rissos. No one had looked after the garden for years, and yet this year, May, June, it bloomed again all by itself. It burst into a blaze of colours all the way up to the fence. A thousand roses, a thousand carnations, geraniums, a thousand sweet peas, violet colours, orange, green, red and yellow, colours, plumes of colours, so much that the woman appeared again to water the garden with her old watering can, beautiful once more, calm, with an undefined confidence. And the garden wrapped itself around her up to the shoulders, 
embraced her, won her completely. It raised her in its arms. And then when we saw in broad daylight that the garden and the woman with her watering can ascended into heaven, and as we gazed on high, a few drops from the watering can landed softly on her cheeks, our chin, our lips. The reason I like this poem is because Janus Ritzos had a very tragic life. Um, he wrote an enormous amount of poetry and the way that he manages to deal with his tragedy is through, I think, incredibly positive images and particularly in this poem, um, but also that a lot of his imagery is surreal and the idea of and also i think there's probably a little bit of magic realism in it as well and the way that a woman um, the old woman is sort of embraced by the garden um, is just very beautiful it's a i think it's one of the most beautiful poems that i that i know it's it's something about rebirth it's it's something about how you can be um, transformed so I think it's about transformation, it's about nature, it's about how nature is transforming. My name is Lily and this is my special poem. It's called Shattering for Lee Hammer. 1957 to 1974, and it's by Marcella Pellain. Although I don't recall the precise colour of your eyes, I have come to see them as green and encyclopedic. Did you think I didn't know it was your turn to take me from that party, turn me belly up beneath your hands? Forgive me, I have learned things in the dark and not always what they seem, but that night I was full of visions the porch light through the trees didn't really disassemble you. The high socket of your eyes, the long bone of your jaw, pale veneer of skin between. At first in your sister's face I saw nothing of you, the surprising redness of her hair, her eyes flat as a cat's pressed on me, our faces like boards. And then in the particular tilt of her head, was the proud structure of your bones, and I imagined them unhinged, the fragments of your hair and shirt and teeth flying out across the calm blue sea. But peace, even if you'd called me up like some goddess, there would have been some other stone to drag for decades to weigh me down in the cool, impartial ocean. If you had lived, I would have missed the sharpness of your lashes the shattering line of your cheek, the certainty of meeting so obliquely. If you had lived, you would have gone from me anonymous as character, emerged tardy and vague in some familiar narrative. If you had lived, I could never have been sure of you. because it's a poem that I've read repeatedly recently um, and 
a couple of months ago, I discovered on Facebook that one of my first ever students had passed away. And I, I started teaching when I was 19 and was profoundly passionate about um, arts education. And he was a student in my class that was provocative and rowdy and full of life and, and poetry and writing were one of the things that really spoke to him very, very loudly. Um, and I felt like I'd kind of given him something that, that worked as like a rudder in his life where lots of things were chaotic and kind of um, disrupted and, and breaking that he came back to this place of, of creativity and writing as a very, very young person. He was 13 when I was teaching him. So um, when I discovered that he passed away, I guess I was looking for a way of um, feeling into that or making sense of it. And Marcella Plain is a poet that I really love and I picked up this book and landed on this poem and something in it gave me a way both of um, understanding living and loss um, and also it also felt like it kind of saved me in a way because I feel like one of the things the poem was saying was that there was this realisation in losing someone um, of things that would never have been known otherwise and I felt like what it did for me is woke me up now and made me appreciate living and seeing and the people in my life now differently without having to necessarily lose them. Is Traffic Jam Delectable by Jack Prolutsky? Is traffic jam delectable? Does jellyfish in lakes? Does tree bark make a racket? Does the clamour rattle snakes? Can salmon scale a mountain? Does a belly laugh a lot? Do carpet snap in flower beds or on an apricot? Around my handsome bottleneck, I wear a railroad tie. My treasured chest puffs up a bit. I blink my private eye. I like to use piano keys to open locks of hair. Then put a pair of brake shoes on and dance on debonair. I hold up my electric shorts with my banana belt. Then sit upon a toadstool and watch a tuna melt. I dive into a carpool where I take an onion dip. Then stand aboard the tape deck and sail my penmanship. I put my dimes in river banks and take a quarter back. And when I fix a nothing flat, I use a lumberjack. I often wave my second hand to tell the overtime before I pick up my bullpen to write a silly rhyme. I like this poem because he, for the first verse of the poem, he uses just questions and then he almost answers the questions in the next three verses, but they're not really related to the first ones. The first questions are kind of unanswered and left up to your own imagination. And he also uses a play on words for in each line, so it kind of keeps it interesting. Well, in the title is Traffic Jam Delectable. Traffic Jam is its own like thing, and then he's used jam 
in the other sense of the word, like the condiment, and then he's used a a descriptive word of the condiment rather than of traffic jam as a whole thing. listening to the Bohemian Beat and that was a new segment on the Bohemian Beat called Your Special Poem. Thank you to Mark, Lily and Abby for sharing their special poem with us on the Bohemian Beat. Credits to Machine for the music and concept and audio contents provided by recent Byron resident Rob Osborne who works with the Red Room Company, a Sydney-based organisation that promotes poetry in unusual and useful ways. Rob is particularly involved with the Unlocked Prison Poetry Project. More information about Red Room projects can be found at their website redroomcompany.org. And we will be hearing more listeners sharing their special poems in the near future. I would also like to thank our guest, Irish Joe Lynch, poet and storyteller, for joining us. For more information, check out thebohemianbeat.com. We will end with a track from Flogging Molly, If I Ever Leave This World Alive. Thank you for joining me on the Bohemian Beat. I'm Riddy. If I ever leave this world alive I'll thank you for the things you did in my life If I ever leave this world alive I'll come back down and sit beside your feet tonight Wherever I am, you'll always be More than just a memory If I sadness that I left behind If I ever leave this world alive The madness that you feel will soon subside So in a word don't shed a tear I'll be here when it all gets weird If I ever leave this world alive